Uh, good evening, church. Yes, that was powerful. Um, I feel so welcomed. Uh, Yana, that was incredible. Thank God for your gift and talent and for sharing it. And for, I don't know all the musicians' names yet, but um, I just am absolutely so blessed to be here. Today has been delicious, and I'm grateful for that. Minus, I didn't mean to say this out loud, but because I just used the word delicious, the calf tore me up something fierce this afternoon. Um, I don't know what happened, but um, we're praying for deliverance for the stomach, amen, and hallelujah. Um, and no offense to any calf people, it's something, it, it, I don't understand it, but in Adventism, any camp, school, or anything that I go to and eat the food, no matter how good it is, it just... I don't know. Um, but I just praise God for the music tonight. It just has really set the tone beautifully. Uh, I have never seen the, the brass section uh, that was brought in this evening uh, like it was done today, plus the organ accompanying. Uh, just good stuff. And it always warms my heart when I see people playing like the, the, the uh, uh, Trinity, what do you call the, the trip? Trio, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Uh, of the brass, uh, it just is really cool when they're not playing and they're singing along, like just, I don't know, the spirit is sweet and I'm grateful for that, uh, so thank you very much. Uh, Sister Carly, um, just, that is pronounced right, right? Kali, Kali, <laughs> sorry. Um, just this evening, walking around, hanging around campus, actually went to the gym today, if you haven't done so lately, do it, it's a good thing. Uh, um, my boy Levi, uh, Levi Martin will hook you up. Um, but, but just running into this sister today, uh, 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 Pastor Wayne and I were chatting and then Kali, 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 Kali was walking by and we called her over and just your countenance and your peace. And somebody said it, I believe in the prayer that when, or, or somewhere in that uh, session that when you get to know you, you just ooze and emanate the joy of God, and uh, that's a very powerful gift. Like, you've been a witness to me, so I really thank God for you. Um, it's, it's amazing to me, your peace, your assurance, your resilience, uh, it really is. So uh, we will be praying for you heavily on this end. May God bless you. She was saying that she's wishing she was going to be here because she's been helping organize and orchestrate this week. So we thank God for her. And uh, we're actually going to see tonight in Paul, by God's grace, if we get through it, uh, uh, we kind of ended a little prematurely, but God is in control and we're trusting. Uh, but we ended in verse 6. My goal was to end in verse 11 today. Uh, but there it is that we're, we will pick up. I believe that's up on your screen there. And um, I'm just going to invite you, if you will, we'll pray again, uh, dive into Scripture and, and I just invite you to follow along, uh, uh, if you care to, in your own Bibles or up on the screen. And uh, yeah, we'll hit the ground running. Again, before we pray, uh, just a reminder, uh, we are going through the book of Philippians verse by verse by verse. I may skip a little bit tomorrow, uh, uh, but I'll keep you posted on, on what we're doing and why, uh, because the goal is, is to land the plane on Friday, having completed all four chapters. Uh, and, and again, we're only into verse 6 of chapter 1, uh, and there's just a lot to go, so we'll see how we go, uh, but by God's grace, He will speak to us. A quick side note, so ADD moment, um, 
please understand this and, and hear this. Because I ask myself the question, why preaching? Why, where does preaching come from? Why do we do this thing called church where we gather once a week and somebody stands up in the gap, opens the Bible and expounds on it? Why do we do that? Where did it come from? And the truth is, actually I did my dissertation in the area of preaching, my, my uh, D-men, uh, not to be cu- confused with a D-men, uh, uh, um, but it is a D-men. Uh, but anyway... Um, uh, but while I was doing that and looking at it, the reality is, is that ever since creation, well, really ever since the fall, God has raised up men and women as proclaimers of his grace. So I reiterate again and just tell you again, ever since the fall, ever since sin entered, God has chosen the mechanism of preaching as one mechanism to deliver his message. Are you following that? So in other words, the significance of that piece is, is that what we are partaking of is something that has been going on for some 6,000 years. And, and just once again, it is an opportunity that God will show up. So in other words, when I stand up here, I'm a sinner, I'm broken. Uh, Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. Don't know why, I just pointed to my water bottle. Paul in the Bible uh, uh, refers to himself as the chief of sinners. I always say the homie's dead and I've taken his place. Uh, but he uses broken vessels to deliver a message. So what we're believing is, is that God is going to show up and God has chosen this avenue or, or way to actually speak his will into your life. Can I do that in and of myself? Absolutely not. Can I convict you in your life? Absolutely not. If you receive conviction, if God speaks to you, whether you're in the balcony, it's so hard for me because that is such a like really tall balcony. You're not down here, you're just way up there. Uh, but anyway, even if you're in the balcony, God will speak to you through the Holy Spirit. And if you receive conviction, like as we're reading through the book of Philippians, if, if you receive conviction, that's not me, that's not Wayne, that's not the church. It, it is the Holy Spirit speaking in your life. So we're claiming that. Uh, second piece is, is just again, Paul is writing from a jail cell. It's roughly AD 60. Jesus died roughly 30 years before this time. Paul used to kill Christians in the name of God, thinking he was doing God's will. And we've all met people who, who well, maybe not we all, but I surely have met people uh, uh, that have declared things about me, believing that they were following God's will, and, and, or I've seen people act in ways that don't seem con- uh, uh, congruent with the life and teachings of Jesus, but they believe that they're doing God's will. And this is what religion can do to people. It can really mess with your mind. Uh, that's why we need to be completely surrendered to God, completely filled with the Spirit. And by God's grace, He's going to show up in powerful ways tonight. Uh, but I just remind you, He's writing from a, prayer, uh, a jail cell. Things are not going well externally. If you looked at the life of Paul, you know, are you walking through a field of roses and skipping along and, and drinking happy sauce? No, he's in a jail cell. This is not good. But in, in Philippians chapter 4, again, it's, ding, 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 I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Homie is writing this from the jail cell. This chick right here, your fellow classmate, rejoicing in the Lord always in spite of what's going on internally powerful stuff going on there. He's writing to the church in Philippi. This is the church, first church he planted. 
And what he's writing is words of encouragement to, to many of them being young believers. He's writing words of encouragement to them. So again, what I said today, I say to you again tonight, and that is what he wrote some, I, I, I don't know exactly, but many years ago uh, when Paul wrote this in AD 60, you do the math, what he wrote then we believe is applicable to us today in the 21st century. So with that said, let us pray and we will dive into scripture starting in verse 6 uh, and hit the ground running. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here at Avondale College. I thank you for this school. I thank you for the talent that is evident in this place. My soul has been richly blessed. I'm just sitting here tonight or was sitting here moments ago just in awe of your goodness, of your power, of your might in and through the lives of these students. So we're deeply grateful for the opportunity to gather in your name. And what we're asking is now, Jesus, is that you would show up through your word, that you would be lifted up in this place, that in so doing, you would draw the hearer unto yourself. So God, work miracles. We ask you, we beg of you, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 6 says this again, and I am sure of this, Paul says to the church, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work, that is God living in you, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he's making a statement, he's claiming something that is powerful, that what God has already started in your life, he will bring it to completion. In other words, church, what this means to you and what, means, what it means to me today is, is when the defecation hits the fan, or whatever, however you want to make that statement, but when the defilement hits the fan in your life, or when things go contrary to the way you thought they were going to go, that doesn't mean that God has forsaken you, that doesn't mean that you are cast out or thrown away. The Bible says, and we are believing and claiming that the God who began the good work will complete it. You need to hear this and understand that when you read scripture, when you read the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, you find a guy who is your greatest advocate. I repeat this again. He is your greatest advocate. In other words, Jesus is the type of dude that doesn't leave you hanging. He actually says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Some of you have heard when you were raised in the church that if you go into certain places, the angels stay outside. Have you ever heard this before? All right, some of you have. Uh, all three of you, thank God for you. Uh, uh, so I didn't sound too crazy. But if you've heard that type of teaching, well, if you go into the theater, the angels stay outside. Well, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So I'm imagining as you go into the theater, Jesus says to the angels, y'all enjoy hanging out outside. I'm going in with my brother, with my sister, with my son, with my daughter. Does this make sense? He is your greatest advocate. Let me make this statement, and, that, and I'll back this up scripturally. I'm not going to read it all to you as I do sometimes, but Ephesians chapter 1, we're in Philippians. Ephesians chapter 1, if you don't believe this, read that chapter and ask yourself the question when you read chapter 1 of Ephesians, what is my responsibility for salvation? And what you will discover is, is that you have nothing to do with your salvation aside from putting your belief. In other words, aside from putting your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. Once that action is done, because God, follow me now, God will never force you to do anything. He doesn't force 
Uh, he, he's, he doesn't force entry into your life. He gives you full freedom of choice to do whatever it is that you want to do. But ultimately, Avondale College, ultimately, I believe that you will come to find that Jesus, if you actually get to know Jesus, I'm not even saying get to know the church. I'm not even saying get to know the pastor or get to know me. I'm saying get to know Jesus. And what you're going to find is is a guy that deeply loves you and he desires you in heaven more than you could ever want to be there. He wants you in heaven. And unfortunately, what religion does and what sometimes Christianity has done in the name of God is they flip the script and they've said to you, you better get your act together or else you're not going to heaven. As a matter of fact, I hate to confess this to you, but it's a true story. And that is four years ago when my wife and I moved to to New Haven, Connecticut for her to attend Yale University. It's a small school, kind of like Avondale. You may have heard of it. Um, when she went to Yale University, we went to the local Seventh-day Adventist church. Why? Because we're Seventh-day Adventists. She was born and raised in the church. I was not, praise be to God. Uh, but, and, and look, no, well, look, if you've been raised in the church, praise God for that. As long as you love and know Jesus and know that he loves you deeply, I just meet a lot of people and know a lot of people. I even met with a brother today that is all, all but out of the church. And it has nothing to do with Jesus. It just has everything to do with religion. And Jesus isn't about religion. My wife and I walk into the church there in New Haven, Connecticut. She hears a message. We get up to leave at the end of church. She starts bawling. We're in the car and I'm like, what's going on? Uh, uh, and she just said, all I heard is judgment, condemnation, and that I'm going to hell in a handbasket. And the Sabbath school class whittled handbaskets and handed her one on the way out and said, you know, here's your handbasket that you can ride to hell. Where does the phrase, you are going to hell in a handbasket, where does that even come from? I don't even, like, will people ride in a handbasket to hell? These are questions that I deal with and face on a regular basis. The point is, is this, church, please hear me. The point is, is this. I can't control or dictate what it is that you have been taught about God, what it is that you have been taught about Jesus. All I can do is admonish you, implore you, beg of you to get into the life and teachings of Jesus. And what you are going to find is, is a guy who deeply loves you, deeply cares about you, doesn't judge you, doesn't condemn you. Prostitutes are running up to him. Why? Because he was that type of guy that would welcome anybody. And all too often in our lives, we have, again, flipped the script in religion, and we have become the antithesis of Jesus. And we tend to run people away. And that is not, that is not congruent with the life and teachings of Jesus. So he began this good work. He will finish it. It is his job. It is his duty. It is his responsibility. Why? Because in and of yourself, you can do nothing. In and of yourself, you can't save yourself. You can't get victory over sin in and of yourself. I don't care how much you roll up your sleeves. You get the point. Let's move on to verse 7. Amen. Verse 7 says this, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you, all are, you are all partakers with me of what, church? Of grace. Say that with me again. For you are all partakers with me of grace. grace. What is grace? 
Let me share with you what grace is. A few years back, both of our cars broke down. It's a true story. Uh, all my stories are true, uh, so I don't have to keep saying it's a true story. Uh, um, both of our cars break down. I'm supposed to meet with our prayer partner who comes to our church on a regular basis, and we were meeting at a Starbucks down the street. This is when I was pastoring full-time in Seattle. Um, and I call him up and I say, homie, I cannot meet uh, because my cars are broken down. And he said, really? He said, Matthew, uh, you know that my, between my wife and I, the only driving people in his family, we have five cars. Like when Jesus told the woman, uh, you have had five husbands and the one you are with is not your husband. Anyway, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> You ha- he ha- he's like, I have five cars. And I'm like, well, mercy, you just made me covet. Let me go repent. And, um, and he said, if you need to borrow a car, just let me know and you can borrow the car. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. The, the day goes on. And, and towards the evening time, homie calls me up and he says, my wife and I want to come over. He comes over to my house. And within short order, we're sitting at my kitchen table there in Seattle. And within short order, he slides out a uh, key with a fob on it. Do you know fob? The, the At this time, just so you know where I'm coming from, at this time, this is just in like 2007 or 2008, I had never owned a car with a fob. I had never owned... Right now, I drive a 1998 Honda Accord with 230,000 miles, which is like 700 kilometers. Like, it is very rusted and very dilapidated. I have never, you know, the fob, fob thing, I covet. But anyway, he, he comes to my house, sits there, and he says, God has given us this, and he told us to give this to you, at which time he slides over the key with the fob. And I'm like, I thank God for you. <laughs> Amen. And I took, no, I'm just joking. I'm like... I'm like, well, brother, I tried to be the polite, humble guy. And I'm like, I cannot take this from you. And he said, listen. And that's when he took out the, the, D, the, the title of the car, which was already signed over. And when it said sale price, you know how on the title of the car, when you sell it, you put the sale price in. It just said gift. Slid the paper over. And he said to me, Matthew, you can deny it or whatever, but what you're going to have to do is either go give it to somebody else. And I said, I don't like that option. Um, he said, this was such a nice car. He said, you could sell this car and get two cars. So you and your wife have new, newer cars. Uh, and I said, I, I'm kind of liking that option. Um, or you can keep the car, which we opted to do. We called it the Holy Spirit shuttle. Uh, uh, <laughs> And I went around telling my neighbors the whole story. I was so excited. Did I do anything to earn the car? Absolutely not. What did I do to, re- to receive it? I just accepted it. And that's what grace is. You don't earn it. There was nothing that I did. He didn't make a deal saying, hey, brother, if you come over and wash and detail my other four cars, I'll give you the fifth one. I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was simply receive it. And that is what grace is. Verse 7 again. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me again, church, of grace. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the what church again? Gospel. Again, if you read this book, if you read through scripture, it is pointing out, especially in the New Testament, the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. If what you have heard in your life is not good news, you ain't heard the gospel. 
period and point blank. Continuing on verse 8. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Notice this church. What Paul is saying. He yearns in his heart for this church in Philippi. While he is bound in a prison cell in Rome. More than likely. Scholars don't know for sure. But they suggest more than likely. Homie was up in prison in Rome. And he's saying, I yearn with all affection uh, of my heart. Let me read it here. Verse 8. How I yearned for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. How is it that Paul starts to yearn with the affection of Christ Jesus? Let me tell you how that happens. And this is, this is what will occur in the life of every single believer. There's people even over here. Mercy, will they be lowered down later? Um, Listen, every single believer of Jesus Christ, this is what happens. Christ comes up in you. The Bible talks about this. This is the mystery of the gospel is Christ coming in you. Colossians 1 verse 27, if you need a biblical reference. What is the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when Christ comes up in you, you start to emulate the character and nature of Christ. Why? Because it's you? No, it's him abiding in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is powerful stuff. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say uh, that, that it is then that you will believe in God because you are experiencing something greater and above yourself. Like, uh, in other words, let me flip this. In other words, a lot of us know about God. We've heard about God or we've read scripture or it's been pushed down our throat all of our lives. But then there comes the day where we actually see the gospel. We see Jesus for what he is, for who he is and what he is offering each one of us. And we accept him and he comes up in us and starts working out his good and perfect will in and through our lives. And when Paul says, I have the affection of Jesus Christ, that is because the Holy Spirit is abiding up in that brother. Are you following this? And this ought to be the experience of every single believer. You ought to start having affection towards people beyond just your girlfriend. Like you ought to start seeing people as Christ sees people. When the homeless people, mercy, was that real defilement on the ground? I mean, it looked so real I had to keep walking because I've seen a lot of homeless people before, but not with a clump of of, uh, defecation sitting there. Uh, Quite appalling. But again, you start seeing people with the affection of Christ. You start having the eyes of Christ. The Bible says, let this mind, it's actually in the book of Philippians, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So the way that Jesus rolls, the way that Jesus thinks starts to become the way that you roll and the way that you think. Moving right along. Does any of that make sense? All right. Because y'all seriously, here's the deal. I have tasted it. Have I fully obtained it? Absolutely not. But I have tasted it. And what I've tasted is very sweet. That's what lights me up when I get up in the day. That's what gets me excited. There is nothing that I desire more in this life than Jesus. 
period. All I want is more of Jesus. Some people, this is what drives me crazy on a side note, ADD moment, but I'm a little jet lagged, so let's just go with it. This is what drives me crazy about some freaks in the church that will backbite and be divisive and make allegations about me. They've never even talked to me. They don't even know me. I've even heard it since I've been here in this continent. I love you. I love Jesus. I love the word of God. And I love to proclaim the word of God. And yet still people will try to attack and and do all types of crazy stuff. I already have it happening at the church where I'm going. And I haven't even arrived yet. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. I don't even get it. Aside from this. Aside from the simple reality that if somebody is going to slander your name and they've never even talked to you, to me that's evidence that that person is filled with religion but not filled with the Spirit of Christ. Period. That God calls us to unify. God doesn't call us to sit here. You know, by the way, did you know that in the church manual it says the only genre of music that is listed is jazz music is being wrong? I mean, of all music genres, it should have at least said country, uh, but not, not jazz. But anyway, I just don't know where stuff like that comes from. Um, did I cover it? Let us create an awkward moment. Oh, it's already 720. Are we done with verse 7? Verse 8, let's continue on to verse 9 and we'll land the plane shortly. We're not going to finish the book of Philippians this week. Man, maybe we'll get through chapter 1. Anybody listen to beautiful people? Anybody? A few of you did. How was it? positive experience. I mean, look, look, even your dean, one of your deans over at the guy's dorm, I walked in and he was listening to it, uh, which was kind of cool, but then it kind of took him off guard and I don't know that he knew how to respond. Um, But yeah, you're beautiful. Um, I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if we were known for people that actually love each other, that get on with one another, that enjoy life and stuff? I mean, we're already in hell on earth. We're already facing enough trial as it is. The last thing, as I said this morning, the last thing we need to do is come up into church and be oppressed more. Jesus says you will have life and life more abundant, and that is what I want. Why am I going to this church in Elmshaven? Is because I believe that God is calling us to experience the kingdom of God on this earth. He prayed about it. Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You and I have been invited by the King of kings and Lord of lords to be kingdom citizens. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. And by God's grace, he's going to come up in us and start changing our lives from the inside out. And when people see the goodness of God, do we boast in our flesh? Absolutely not. We give praise to God for the goodness that he is doing. And I promise you, church, the more you taste him, the more you get to experience him, the more you get to know him, the more you see him working his good and good and perfect will in and through your life, 
the more you will desire him. And, and unfortunately, most of you have heard a message that would, would lead you to say, I don't want anything to do with it. And so you leave Avondale and you leave the church. It is an epidemic that is happening and it is dead wrong. And some freaky Adventists celebrate it. They're just like, we're the remnant. So we're going to be small. We're just going to stay small. And if you leave, you couldn't cut it. No, you can't cut it. You can't make it. You can't do it. But he has done it and he will do it. He will complete it. All right. So verse 9. And it is my prayer that you're what, church? That you're love. It is my prayer. Y'all, when you are born into this planet, you come out. All you do is, all you do, all you do is eat and defile Eat, defile. I have an 11 month now, uh, old, now at home. She just eats, it's it just, it is uncontrollable. Um, and when you are born into this planet, hear this now, you don't come into this planet really as a loving person. You're quite selfish. You're like born into sin. How do I know this? Because I'm a sinner. Like, what was my experience? Did my mom pull me out the womb and start training me how to sin? Did she teach me that porn was good and to just get into it? Did she teach me to steal and to lie and to cheat? Did she teach me these things? Did anybody teach me these things? Absolutely not. It is in my nature But when Christ comes up into your life and you understand the gospel, you start to become a loving person. And I would simply submit to you that a loving person is one that is not all about self. I don't come here to Australia. I mean, if some jerk is going to ridicule me for leaving my wife and daughter behind, and I'm not needing your sympathy, but if somebody is going to ridicule me for coming over here as though I'm on some break or vacation, are you kidding me? When Christ comes up into your life, your focus is not on yourself. It says it right here. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live But Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so when Paul says this to the church in verse 9, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with what church? Knowledge and discernment. You folks here at Avondale College, and I'll land the plane here with this. You are at at a campus that is filled with knowledge and discernment. You are at a place that is founded on the principles of God's love, on the principles of God's commandments. Is this place perfect? By no means. By no means. But are some absolutely outstanding things happening? Definitely. Throughout the course of the history of Avondale College, again, Ellen, towards the end of her life, exiled over here. I could go into more, more about your history and your first president here at this college that had smoking addiction issues. He had anger issues. 
Uh, but he was here serving. God loved him in spite of his shortcomings. And the truth is, is that all of us have shortcomings. But by God's grace, he looks over these things. He loves us. He died for us. He's abiding in us. And by his grace, love will abound. By his grace, as Jesus is abiding up in you, again, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. As his mind comes up into you, I promise you that he will give you heavenly discernment and heavenly wisdom. So you will start seeing things that are above and beyond the way people treat themselves and this, that, and the other. Your eyes will be on something greater. Why? Because his eyes are on the sparrow. He watches over you. He has your best interest in mind. Let me just please close here and finish because there's a comma right there in the end of verse 9. See how it's a comma? Comma, 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 chameleon. They come and go. All right, verse 10 and 11. 10 and 11, and we finish where I was supposed to finish this morning. Y'all get me so distracted in this place. Repent. Verse 10. So uh, uh, love may abound more and more with all knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. How are you pure and blameless? What, you see how it says day of Christ? Let me just teach you this real quick and then I'll close with prayer. Uh, in verse 11 anyway. Um, but see how, it says, see how it says there in verse 10, the day of Christ? Did you remember earlier when tonight we, we saw that phrase, the day of Christ? Have, do, you, do you know in verse 6? So in other words, what I would encourage you to do as you study scripture is be mindful. Don't study this thing like you would a textbook where you're just like... <laughs> And like two hours pass by and you're just like, I have no idea when I, like I've been here and my eyes were reading, but I have no idea. Don't read the Bible that way, please. Uh, God is not honored by that. Um, In verse six, it said the day of Jesus Christ. And that's the passage that says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. Where it says for the day of Christ, where it's saying be pure and blameless. How are you pure and blameless? By what Christ is doing in and through you. How are you pure and blameless? He who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's all about him. Verse 11, church filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. If you look at that phrase, glory and praise of God, I would encourage you to go, maybe your homework assignment tonight is first put your earphones on, listen to beautiful people, and just bump it. Just bump it. Just bump it. Uh, Just enjoy that. And then read scripture. And, and, and look at the phrase in Ephesians chapter 1. Look for that phrase to the glory and praise of God. You will see it happen regularly. God will lead you to the fruit of righteousness. Fruit of righteousness. It's not something that you in and of yourself can conjure up. It is a gift from none other than the Holy Spirit. 
I thank God for you, Avondale. I thank God for the opportunity to be here on this continent. Uh, there's something very sweet just about the time that we can come together and dive into Scripture. Um, and I just pray that Christ has proclaimed to you clearly that that's actually what we were going to get to in verse 18 tonight was where I was hoping in, uh, which says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And tonight, that is what I rejoice in. That is what I proclaim to you. Get to know Jesus. Let's continue in the book of Philippians where we left off, and by God's grace, we'll get somewhere into chapter 2 before Friday. All right. Would you all stand with me, and we'll close with a word of prayer. Y'all, please, please do it. Just please, as the, as the Spirit of God speaks to you, as the Spirit of God guides you, uh, follow where He's leading. Don't shun Him. I just promise you that it is the single best thing that will ever happen in your life if you are filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm just so devastated by ha- as as is that person there. Um. Young as they may be. Uh, I am just so devastated when I hear of person after person after person that has walked away from the church. So I just, I thank God. So it's important for me to, to just simply acknowledge. I thank God for you. I thank God that you've come out here tonight. You don't have to be here. There's no credit like most of the colleges I go speak at in the States. Just continue to follow him. Avail yourself to him. You may not have it all figured out. There may not be fireworks going off in your life. But I promise you that Jesus is your greatest advocate. He wants you in heaven more than you could ever desire to even be there. Let us pray. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, I'm just deeply grateful for you all. I'm deeply grateful for what it is that you have done throughout all history. And for what it is that you are doing here in this place right now tonight. God, I don't know the end from the beginning. I came here with more of a plan. Uh, But I believe that you are in control. I believe that you are speaking. I believe that you are singing. That you are showing up. So for that we're deeply grateful. I just simply ask Jesus that we would not take you in vain. I I pray that we would not take you for granted. I pray, God, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us, that that we would truly understand who you are, your character, and in so doing, we would choose to accept you as Lord and Savior of our life. For those people in this place that have already made that decision, that you are Lord and Savior of my life and, and of those people here, we praise God, and we just simply ask for those of us that are following you, that you would pour more of your spirit out, that it would be less of flesh, less of sin, and more of Jesus, that it would be less of me, more of Christ. And so we just, we just wait with eager anticipation, believing that you are doing an incredible work. And as you continue to move and orchestrate your good and perfect will, we will be sure to give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all have a good evening. Thank you guys so much for coming out tonight.
and I uh, look forward to seeing you in the morning. Cheers.